You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 422 of the Colombia Calling podcast. A huge thank you to my Patreon supporters out there, especially active this week with the newsletter, the Patreon exclusive newsletter, uh, showing you the confidential cover. Well, it's in the process of my Columbia book, sort of a 2022 version, Politics, Society and Culture, asking you, of course, for ideas about the final title. We'll come through it together. I've also had op offers of essays or additions that people would like to contribute. So again, thank you for those. And indeed, we opened last week, we opened two slots of advertising inside, you know, spoken within the podcast, the intro and outro, and they were filled within two days. So that's great news. So we're not going to open up any more slots because we don't want this to be overtaken and overwhelmed by advertising. But, you know, we need to uh, make something back in order to continue going and continue pushing the podcast, pushing the envelope a bit further. This week's episode is a, I would say, a very important episode, uh, sorely underreported in the international news. Of course, it did make certain outlets. It's the hearing that took place in Ocaña, Norte Santander, about the falsos positivos or false positives. I won't try and explain it here in the introduction. We're going to leave that to Adrian Alsema of Columbia Reports in the uh, final segment of this show. And yes, I, can I say it's an incredible indictment of what went on and an incredible story to tell and to share. Uh, it's chilling at times, uh, but at I think it's so important that we focused on it this week. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope to hear your feedback on this. I've got other great people lined up for the weeks that come. But uh, it, without further ado, it's, uh, it's worth noting that this episode is kindly brought to you by B&B Columbia Tours experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. From the major cities of Bogotá, Cartagena, Medellín, the coffee zone, destinations such as Casanare, Guaviare, the Amazon, Santa Marta, all of the Caribbean, uh, Colombia B&B tours provide bespoke private packages, including indigenous experiences, whale-watching, 12,000-year-old rock paintings, wild animals, safaris, amazing landscapes, pre-Columbian tombs, jungles, deserts, Caribbean beaches, and beautiful colonial towns. Of course, I'm interested in this because, uh, well, Bruce, uh, Bruce, the, the owner, has put Mompos on the map as well. But the team at BNB Columbia Tours can provide you and your loved ones with a fantastic private experience, creating wonderful memories of Columbia you'll cherish for a lifetime. Check out the website at www.bnbcolumbia.com. Complete the free itinerary form and tell them I sent you to receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So there you go. You get a discount 
a discount if you mention Columbia Calling, and this is where you heard it. So, of course, this episode, episode 422, is brought to you by BNB Columbia Tours. Thank you again. And now we'll go over to Emily Hart with the news brief and then on to segment three about the Falsos Positivos, Falsos Positivos Explained with Adrian Alsimer of Columbia Reports. Thank you and don't go away. I'm Emily Hart, and these are your top stories for the week of May the 2nd, 2022. Left-wing candidate Gustavo Petro is the front-runner for the presidency, with 44% of the voting intentions according to the newest poll from Invamer. Right-wing candidate Federico Gutierrez is a distant second with 27%, though up from 9% in February. Rodolfo Hernández follows with 14%, and centrist Sergio Fajardo has 7%, dropping from 15% in February. Though no candidate reaches more than 50% of the vote in the first round, the polls also show Petro winning any runoff election scenario. Invamer proved the most accurate polling group in the 2018 presidential elections. Colombia's Liberal Party has announced its support for Gutierrez, though a group of 15 of the party's 49 congressmen rejected Liberal Party chief César Gaviria's decision, announcing that they would support Petro. Party alliances not only help candidates gain a majority in the elections, but also affect the eventual winner's ability to push through legislation when their term starts in August. The Liberal Party won more seats than any other in the House of Representatives and the third most seats in the Senate in the March legislative elections. 99 of Colombia's 1,300 municipalities are at high risk of violence during the elections, according to the Minister of the Interior. More than 200,000 uniformed members of the security forces will be made available for the first round of voting on May the 29th to prevent armed groups disrupting the vote. In a historic step for truth and reconciliation, former members of the Colombian military have publicly acknowledged their role in the so-called false positives. The at least 6,402 killings and false disappearances which were presented as combat kills during the civil conflict in order to boost statistics. Ten former members of Colombia's military spoke at the HEP, the Transitional Justice Court, and acknowledged their role in the kidnapping and murder of 120 civilians from the town of Ocaña and neighbouring communities in Norte de Santander, all of which murders were presented as combat kills of members of left-wing guerrilla and other armed groups. The soldiers mentioned on several occasions the pressure from high command for results and spoke of alliances with paramilitaries. One of Colombia's highest courts has ordered President Iván Duque to suspend the extradition of Dario Antonio Usuga, alias Otoniel, the former leader of Colombia's biggest armed group, the Clan del Golfo, also known as the Autodefensas Gaitanistas de Colombia, the AGC. After much debate and an appeal, Otoniel's application to the HEP was accepted and he is currently testifying about collaboration with armed groups during Colombia's civil conflict. With his extradition suspended, he can continue to testify in person. Otoniel has already delivered a list of 63 names of people with links to armed groups. The list includes former ministers, the head of the security forces, governors, senators, and even a presidential candidate from this year, Luis Perez. 
He has also promised to detail alliances between military, businessmen and high-up politicians and armed groups during the conflict. His testimony has now been sent to the prosecutor's office, the Supreme Court of Justice and the Attorney General's office, who will investigate and evaluate the information. Duque had already signed the extradition papers to the USA, whose government wants to try Otoniel exclusively on drug offences. His victims call for him to be tried for crimes against humanity here in Colombia, where he also faces charges relating to massacres, kidnappings, terrorism, forced disappearances and child abuse. In other news, former President Alvaro Uribe's latest attempt to have the criminal case against him shelved has been rejected. Prosecutor Gabriel Jaimes had made various arguments for the case to be thrown out and its evidence rejected, the majority of which were harshly criticised by Judge Carmen Ortiz, who has judged that the criminal case should go ahead. Uribe's prosecution relates to an attempt to mount a case against Senator Ivan Cepeda, after Cepeda accused him of links with paramilitaries. It is alleged that he sought, manipulated and bribed witnesses to testify against Cepeda. Hundreds of protests were held across Colombia on Thursday 28th of April, the anniversary of the Paro Nacional. Social organisations and leaders also marched on Bogotá to demand justice for the ongoing killing of human rights defenders and community leaders. 64 social leaders have been murdered so far in 2022, as well as 37 massacres having occurred across the country already this year, according to Indipaz. Those were your top stories for this week. Thanks for listening. For the next two Mondays, the excellent Matt DeSalvo, friend and longtime British journalist in Medellin, will be taking over the Columbia briefing. I'll be back, as normal, on the 23rd of May. And we're back. This is segment three of episode 422 of the Columbia Calling podcast. This week's very special guest will need no introductions to any of you. He's been on, I don't even remember how many times, like six times. His uh, podcast appearances here on the Columbia Calling podcast are always amongst the most popular. Was that because he says the right things or is that because he can be outrageous as well? But he's certainly always good value for money. This is Adrian Alsimer, director of of Columbia Reports. Check it out, columbiareports.com. Support them wherever you can. Independent news coming out of Columbia and telling the truth and telling unreported stories, you know, out there on the website that you can access for free. So welcome back, Adrian. How's everything going? I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I've just been sort of knocking back and forth in the last few days because the reason because is having watched the tribunals taking place in Ocaña which is in the department of Norte de Santander now those of you who have been following the news and it's been underreported of course in the international media but we've been watching uh, let's say the tribunals of the special peace jurisdiction known in Spanish as the Jurisdicción Especial para la Paz or the HEP as people will say and it's been I mean, it's nothing short of historic because there have been a number of high-ranking members of the military uh, standing up on stage and making the declarations and asking forgiveness to the parents 
of children disappeared uh, in what is known as the false positive scandal, the falsos positivos. Now, if you don't know what the false positives are, right back in the time of Alvaro Uribe's presidency, and when Juan Manuel Santos was the defense minister, and then he ended up becoming president and winning the Nobel Prize and organizing the peace accords with the FARC guerrillas, there was a nefarious activity that took place, and now known as the false positives, where, well, the military, through, I guess, middlemen, tempted men out from various cities or various districts, poor people from various districts, uh, Bogota, Bucaramanga, from in this, in this um, particular case, uh, Gamara and Cesar, and they tempted them with the offer of work up in Norte Santander. They were taken up there, summarily executed, laterally dressed as guerrillas, and buried in unmarked graves. And uh, this ended up taking place around, I, I want to say, 2007, 2008, 2009. And of course, the story broke later on. Well, and no, in fact, go on. The, um, so the, the executing of civilians uh, in order to inflate uh, operational mm. results started in the 1980s already. Oh, really? Um, yeah, on a, on a very minor scale, but it became almost an industrial practice, like after 2002. It's like what you I'm I'm looking at the statistics right now. So in in 2001, you had 74 victims of it. In 2002, 473 civilians were executed and reported as guerrillas killed in combat. And it spiked in 2007 okay. when 1,634 uh, civilians were executed um, mm. and reported as uh, combat kills. Now, so can, it, can we, it, it was yeah. like an escalating practice like that started in 2002. 2002 is when President Uribe comes into power. That's after the elections and, of President. And when, when certain military... Uh, officials um, uh, got promoted. So you okay. see that, like, like this is really linked um, to uh, to certain military officials and basically their their practices. So, like, the the, the big one, obviously, is uh, former army chief Mario Montoya. Mm-hmm. He started off here in Medellin with the Fourth Brigade, and then you saw like that, like. In Antioquia, where the Fourth Brigade was active, that practice uh, started like going up, so that like a lot of the victims that are that are now registered happened when Mario Montoya was in Antioquia, and then when Mario Montoya took control of the entire army, that's when when the uh, phenomenon became uh, national, mm. because uh, according to the YEP, um, military. Uh, units were executing, ended up uh, executing civilians in 29 of Colombia's 32 uh, departments. Let's, and, and if we think about, you know, it was all about figures in the most blunt way, in the most cruel, uh, unempathetic way of saying it. It was all about inflating the numbers of, in inverted, col- uh, inverted commas, guerrilla deaths in combat. Yeah. 
Did the military get financial incentives to do this, to inflate the numbers, to say every, you know, we, we, we in this part of the country are doing really well? Is it a financial incentive behind it? Well, if we look at like what we've heard uh, in Okanya this week, the military didn't get financial incentives, but they were um, military officials who presented a lot of like combat kills would get easy promotions or mm. they would get like uh, easy access to uh, vacation facilities that are managed by the military. Uh, mm. So, so there were like all kinds of incentives um, for uh, military officials to um, to present civilians or like executed civilians as uh, combat kills. The mm. financial um, incentives were for their um, their cooper their the people who cooperated and who provided lists of people who. Um, were kind of like handpicked to become a victim, uh, mm. like like people who had to be assassinated. According to the YEP this week, mm. it, it was really kind of like a social cleansing operation. So people who were somehow deemed uh, undesirable uh, simply were put on a list uh, for for execution and were later reported as uh, guerrilla killed in combat. And of course, the, the figure that we have for the total well, at the moment of the false positives is 6,402. This is likely to increase over time, surely. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, this is like what they've been able to establish so far, mm. but, but I believe it's safe to assume yeah. that as these investigations uh, continue, that more, that more victims will be found. I, you know, and this this tribunal that we saw that it was on YouTube and televised in certain places, I, it's a major step in the right direction in terms of uh, truth and reconciliation. It's a, and I would say it's a complete you know, slap in the face as well to people who are saying that the special jurisdiction, the special jurisdiction for peace, doesn't work. It's not doing anything. I, I would say, I would no, counter it that. Became, say, it Look became what really. It, yeah, it became really visual because mm. what you saw on um, on the YouTube broadcast, for example, so you you're you're looking at um, at a theater, and then in the middle uh, of the stage are the judges on the on the left side of the stage, like from the uh, a viewer's point of view, mm. uh, were the victims, like between six and ten. And on the right side, there were uh, uh, 10 former members of the military and one civilian um, who committed these extrajudicial killings in the Catatumbo region. So that's mm. like in northeast Colombia on the um, on the Venezuelan border. And, and, and for the first time, it was actually televised like how the military commanders in that region basically created a criminal enterprise that was just based on um, getting as many benefits as possible uh, through the killing of civilians. Mm. And in, in Catatumbo, or in north of the Santander, where, um, uh, where this week's sessions were about, 
there were there are only 120 registered victims so like you're mm. talking about 120 of uh, 6400 so like what what we saw was like um well it was kind of like a zoom in on a region and how the 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 army unit in that region in every gory detail uh, carried out that 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 criminal practice of of executing civilians mm. and and how it um destroyed like uh, families it was mm. it was cathartic like what's the word Cath- cathartic yeah it was a cathartic experience i i you know what amazed me and of course i've you know read about this uh, quite quite in depth what amazed me is the organization of this the logistics of it the the middlemen who went out to places like suwacha and uh, you know on the on the borders of bogota and found the people named the people you know attempted well it started it started energy. differently actually like in, okay. in north of the santander um what they did initially was they extorted a um, marijuana saleswoman um and told her like give us like the names of people that um that we're gonna call guerrillas uh, or we kill you then that woman basically provided a list and then the military with the, with that list in hand went out and started executing the people on that list um th- this began in january 2007 mm. um then in in december 2007 like the region knew that like the people from Catatumbo knew that their neighbors were being assassinated um, and reported as guerrillas killed in combat. And there was a big meeting in Ocaña. And at that point, like the military had to stop killing local people because like, well, they they got caught. So Mm. what they, what, what they did instead of like stopping the extrajudicial executions at that point, they contacted recruiters from Bogota uh, mm. to get people uh, from Bogota and the neighboring city of Soacha to be brought to Catatumbo uh, and be and be executed there. So there were two uh, modus operandi, mm. I, and, I, and I, this I, is I, stuff that would that we owned. This was like we, we didn't know this until this no. week. Like like yeah. this is like something that that only became publicly known uh, through these uh, um, hearings in in Ocaña. and that was that was like the, the the shocking thing like how how in 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 north of the Santander they basically started terrorizing the locals the locals got fed up mm. and and they still didn't understand that that they were doing something wrong and they, they just started let's say like importing victims like mm-hmm. from from other places um, and, and, and they just changed their they changed their 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 modus operandi in order to keep up mm. these false reports of of um of combat kills and i remember i remember around this period looking at the military website and it had the updates of you know how many dado de baja or how many guerrillas killed each day they had put these up and so by the way the, 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 this was this, uh, i had access to these numbers until this week uh, this week the military uh, 
took down like all um, um, all references to uh, combat results like from their uh, monthly uh, re- uh, public report hmm. so usually okay. you could see that like uh, okay there were like three ELN guerrillas killed and and 20 arrested and hmm. and you name it and this na- this week like this disappeared from their um, uh, from their public report on um, on operational results huh. and and I mean we mustn't we can't discuss this without talking about the incredible bravery and uh, you know tr- drive of the mothers, as they call them, Mafapo, the the mothers of the false positives, uh, yeah. the ones from Suacha and all over the country who've travelled around the world to talk about this. They're almost like the you know the mothers, the grandmothers of the disappeared in in in, in Argentina. These uh-huh. these women are courageous and. You know, well, of course, it almost feels like they had nothing to lose as well. And and their children, you know, grown up children started appearing in places like Norte Santander, having uh, being called guerrillas. And then when the exhumations took place, well, well, it, it was it was those mothers from Soacha hmm. um, who basically revealed the scandal in two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. And, and have since been driving um, or have been pushing for justice, which like led to like the investigation that's ongoing now. Like had it not mm. been for those, uh, it, it may have been like a few dozen women, like had it not been for, for those women, um, none of what we know now w- would be publicly known. Yeah, and of course they've lived under under serious threat uh, and violence against their lives due to yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, they they um, they continue receiving death threats. And, mm. uh, one or two women that testified this week said that that family members of them were were assassinated. But also, like you, you also heard from the. Um, the civilian cooperator of the army and also the, the members of the army who, uh, mm. who testified that they were also receiving death threats. Mm. Yeah, for testifying. And it's I, there's one thing, you know, it's a kind of a, almost anecdotal on one side, is that the, you know, the very famous Colombian cyclist, Egan Bernal, you know, is obviously tweeting about things. And, uh, and he, he's pro uh, Petro, the sort of left wing uh, presidential nominee, and he's tweeted some things out about the false positives. And the president responded, President Duque responded to say, please stop doing this. And please bring you know stop uh bringing our armed forces or our glorious armed forces into disrepute and you'll be like in a conflict that i mean they say started in 1964 uh, has gone through some incredibly dark periods and this is one of the darkest periods and you have a president standing up obviously he's got nothing to lose because he's out of the the palacio nariño in in you know a couple of months but to stand up and sort of publicly defend uh, it's it's just I mean it's it's par for the course in this government. That's the truth of it. But it's still shocking. Well, yes and no. I mean, like it's like why you why you never should elect a uh, a fascist government. Like <laughs> this is what you get. 
like like you 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 see the same in in you saw the same in 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 Chile and in Argentina where 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 people were just like massively killed like this is like the way they go about it and then and then they try to then they try to get away with it here in, here in Colombia the big difference is that we never had a uh, a military coup uh but the people elected their own victimizer mm-hmm. and 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 then here like uh, now with duca they they like elected the guy like who, who whose job is like to cover it all up yeah but i i mean i just find i mean you know he, he he's he's been mobilizing himself for the last few months and then he talked about wanting to be a constitutional court judge and he's wanted to be sort of like a representative internationally for the you know the protection of the environment and blah 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 yada 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 the guy would do so much better just not talking <laughs> so that's how I may, you know, just just see out your last months, and you know, not campaign, not you know, not defend. Well, the there, there's something there, but but this sort of um, behavior is like particularly common when you look at like these really really super elite people, like where they where they do not. You see it with the defense minister too. Like there was a massacre in uh, in Putumayo um, in early April, I believe, or they are late March, mm. and um, and you see them basically justifying crimes against humanity because just because like they did. There's no. They're, they're, they don't seem to be aware that they are that they are justifying the the unjustifiable. There's no sense of like, okay, yeah, that was wrong. Like we shouldn't be killing civilians. Um, that, like that that sort of moral um, decency uh, is is completely lacking. It's all mm. about like like maintaining maintaining authority at all costs i I like to call it a moral corruption uh in its way it's uh, or a degeneration a degeneration but let's go back to the mothers again and because again they are phenomenally strong uh women and hearing their yeah hearing their testimonies up there on stage you know obviously their voices cracking as they remembered their loved ones and the emotion it, it very much present it was it was chilling it was chilling to hear you know what they had lived through and and how brave they are to be up there and and you know confronting basically their victimizers yeah, because like the the big difference is that that like you and I just like went through the statistics. Mm. Uh, so like the the seventy four and two thousand one, blah blah blah, and those those mothers made it so painfully clear that that with each assassination, like like an entire family was destroyed. Like mm. like many of the victims were responsible like like were, were the breadwinners of the family mm. and uh, the the ones from from Bogota who were lured to come to uh, to Norte de Santander they went there to work mm. and and that's because like they were they were the breadwinners of the family and and with 
with their assassination, like many of these families um, immediately plunged into poverty because there was no one uh, bringing home the bacon anymore. Mm. And the and these women, like while fighting, like with poverty, like literally, like uh, selling um, chewing gum on the street in order to survive. They were also like trying to get justice um, f- for the killings of their of their children. It, mm. it, like it, it's just. Imp- impossible to imagine like how like what what these women have gone through like like as victims but mm. also as like champions of of justice like mm. it's it's super human almost as a side note and no uh no disrespect to you adrian i was meant to have one of the mothers on this week uh, being translated but due to the tribunals and the hearings everything got all a little bit too much and so hopefully at a later date we will have you know first-hand accounts from one of the mothers of the false positives so just so you say this is this the idea of this episode is to give you all a bit more of an idea uh, an explainer an overview of what has been going on so, I mean, let's explain the HEP, the uh, Jurisdicción Especial para la Paz, the Special Peace Jurisdiction. Of course, it's set up in the, you know, in the wake of the um, uh, Peace Accords 2016. Now, this the the soldiers, the officials giving their statements up there in Orcania, this is their punishment because they've already submitted, they've already ad- admitted to their crimes. That's why they are, uh, you know, permitted into this this court system per se. If they didn't admit well, well, to us, I, I wouldn't say punishment, um, okay. particularly because like we're dealing with a, a restorative justice system mm-hmm. and not a a punitive justice system. So like these people um, are evading punishment by participating in in events or 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 carrying out whatever activities that that restore justice mm-hmm. um, for the victims. So for example, like today's uh, this week's um, uh, public confessions were a demand of the victims. Like the victims, uh, they all heard like how their family members, like on TV, on the radio, in the newspapers, were were being um, called guerrillas and terrorists, and 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 you know what, and 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 the victims really wanted that that the honor and the name of of their of, of the victims were cleared. So, like a really important element of this week's um, session was like restoring the, the the good name and the honor of the victims, mm. and and from the mouths of of those uh, involved in their in their killings. Mm. And so, like rather obviously for the for those involved in the killing, it was it was humiliating and and and. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, humiliating more than anything, but but it it's not about punishment. It's mm. about um, like making sure that that victims feel that justice is being done, mm. which they didn't feel was being done by basically throwing these guys in prison. Because as many of the mothers said, like they still don't know who is behind it, like who, who mm. gave the order. Um, 
and you notice that uh, that or I, I had the impression that a lot of the those who 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 are of the, the military uh, officials that that they kind of that their interventions were somewhat scripted. So like that like the, there's an there's like an impression that like a lot more will have to be done um, in order to find out the the, the absolute truth uh, of what happened, and and that's like what what this was like a part of uh, be, mm. because like there was like one general uh, that was uh, being tried well that 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 had to like stand up. Mm. And he basically lied about uh, his participation in the in the homicides, and he was immediately uh, being called to order by the mm. by the judge, um, and it became also like quite clear that if he continued lying about his participation or justifying the killing of civilians, that he would go to the normal justice system, and at that point, like boom, that that that. Uh, that general is in prison. Hmm. So, yeah. If now, what what happens next? Because I, I remember in the, in the hearings, the mothers were standing up there, and they were each one of them demanded that one of the officials or all the other officials came out and said, who, you know, who gave the order? And mm -hmm. they even, you know, these mothers would say, everybody knows it, but nobody's saying it. I mean, that's kind of what they were saying. But if, let's say, for example. You know, you've got these officials who didn't admit, then they'd go into ordinary justice and then they'd probably end up in jail. What's happening next to the guys who stood up in the hearing, the officials, the military officials who stood up in the hearing? What 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 becomes of them now? Well, depending on the, so w w one thing that happened is that each of the officials like offered um like they made proposals of of w what actions they were willing to undertake in order to repair uh, the damage done by uh, by their par participation in the uh, mm. in the mass killing of civilians. So, like the the general, for example, like he he offered to write a book about each and every one of the victims. Mm. Um, the the victims then will decide whether they find this a, a satisfactory uh, reparation if they do then then the, the the official like is ordered to execute uh, that reparation proposal but but at at, at all time like the hearings will continue so like it, they, they will have to continue to uh, tell like like who is behind it like sooner mm -hmm. or later and and this is like a, a process because like like you're looking at, at at military officials who who are um there, there's obviously like a, a sort of a culture in in every uh, military force where you're not supposed to rat on your on your superiors like like yeah. there's a, a sort of a chain of command where you don't really um well you, you don't really shit upwards mm -hmm. um so over time like this sort of this culture will have to be broken um and and th this is going to take pressure by the judges and and that that became visible too like during the hearing like that that the the magistrates like will be 
and and the, the investigators will be pressuring the uh, those who admitted killing civilians to give up like more and more and more and more information mm. about how how we got to this like like how it became because like we were only looking at at the the north of the Santander region but like i said like the, this happened in 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 everywhere in colombia mm. so like if you're looking at a chain of command that means that like at one point this must have come from bogota mm-hmm. like there there's simply no other logical explanation for for a phenomenon that, that happens like on a national level and is executed by um by countless military units like like uh, like it's only logical that there was like some kind of like order coming from Bogota in which someone said like yeah go ahead go go kill civilians as long as you 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 allow us to present combat kills it's 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 bizarre, isn't it? And and some of the exhumations and they when they when they've done this, and they found the the these civilians who have been assassinated, been killed, murdered, best said, wearing you know the the boots have been put on the wrong feet. And and for people who don't know, is that the guerrilla wore wear wore boots in the jungles. Is that's that's the 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 shoe of choice, and of course the best against uh, any snake bites. But uh, the people dressing them up as guerrillas, uh, you know, posthumously. Uh, put some of the boots on the wrong feet. I mean, you, what guerrilla does that? I mean, let's be honest. But, you know, if you're a battle-hardened guerrilla in the jungle, well, you're because not I, I believe, like, like what, what's becoming evident is that, like, they started a a criminal enterprise in in Okanya. So first, like, they their modus operandi was like, oh, well, we'll kill like local potheads and. Um, um, people who who drive moto taxis, like people who mm. nobody cares about, and then they found out that that didn't work because the because of the the sheer volume of of victims, and then they were like, oh, we'll try to uh, get people from Bogota uh, to come over here, and then we'll kill them, and and then they just started getting sloppier, and and with every organized criminal activity like people make mistakes um mm. and that's how uh, at one point it, it, it became so evident that this was a, a generalized practice of the national army um that it became a, an international scandal because mm. people just like either made mistakes or they got sloppy or they figured that they'd get away with it like I think and, they and, obviously thought and the last they'd get one was like it. the mothers were clearly a, a party where they were like, "No, you're not going to get away with this." Mm. Um, My son was not a guerrilla, and of course the stigma attached, uh, you know, wherever. What Adrian, I have to ask is: it, I mean, is the International Court of Human Rights going to get involved in this? Or they're, they're watching from the sidelines, aren't they? Well, so far they they have is doing its job and is complying with um uh with the international humanitarian standards so as long as that is the case the uh, the international criminal court will not get involved mm. if um if this either because of the government uh 
interference or because of budgetary reasons like whatever like for if for any reason like the hep stops being functional at that point like it becomes a matter for the international criminal court that's right what um, this and 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 other hmm. war crimes what so we've had the Ocania Norte Santander where's the next one I don't know but no. um there are if I believe there were six um regions so like hmm. um Meta and Guaviare in in mm. South Central Colombia is like one region, a priority region. You got like I, the, the the Caribbean coast, um, oh yeah. like Cesar and Magdalena is a, a priority region. Antioquia, where, where I live, is obviously yeah. another uh, a priority region. So this I, way, like they they try to figure out in each re- region, like 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 what the like how like this criminal um, enterprise was set up and, and what the modus operandi was like. Six different regions. And before anyone says, oh, you know, this is, they're only focusing on the military. It's just untrue. Just before the end of the year, we came to the, you know, the, the FARC were found and admitted kidnapping policy, which of course was a huge deal. Uh, we mm-hmm. still don't know what's going to come out of that, but it was admitted and it was processed. So we, we were waiting. Everybody's waiting to see what, uh, what unravels, what, what this all entails. But, you know, it, yeah, it's because, going to- if you, if, you, if you look at the crimes that were committed by the FARC, like the, there's another branch of the transitional justice system, and yeah. that's the, the special investigation team for uh, disappeared people. Hmm. So th- that requires, like, th- that's another, like, mammoth task, because th- that requires, like, talking to all FARC guerrillas, like, hmm. from the top to the bottom, about, like, if they know if their unit uh, um, was involved in kidnapping and and killing and and burying um, um, the civilians, and and this is a, a a very slow process because like a a single guerrilla m- may know like of like the location of three bodies, yeah. which is like information that like one in the top command wouldn't have. So mm. like like the the. The, the kind of forensics that they go into investigations into particularly like the the disappearance of victims is is enormous like and, and that's gonna take years like because we're we're talking about like one hundred and twenty nine thousand missing, um, missing persons mm-hmm. like like and and they're literally trying to uh, unearth like every single one of them it, it's, it's like it's impossible to to describe like the the logistics like of, mm. of that operation. So I, what I understood as well is that there is a bottom up investigation way of doing it as well as what they're doing is talking to the lower ranking first rather than the high ranking because then you can get to the high ranking officials with the evidence and then, then there's well, no. Well, it's you, both. Like, mm. like because if you take kidnapping for example. Um, if you um, like the, 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 there's like a bottom up and a, and a top down investigation. So like from the top down, they are investigating like um, 
if within the FARC leadership they had information on certain commanders or certain units uh, that were like violating internal uh, pro like war protocols, um, and if so, that 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 means that like more investigative resources can be put on that specific guerrilla unit, and then there's the bottoms up. Uh, investigation in which e- each guerrilla is basically my, asked, like, okay, tell us what you know. Mm. Like, and then like, I, I can't remember who it was who told me, but it was on this podcast. And the way that when you say, when the guerrilla, let's say, kidnapped, murdered someone, buried them, that was that. They weren't trying to make them disappear off the face of the earth. They didn't sort of, let's say, burn their cellulas, their ID cards. But if the paramilitaries were disappearing someone, it was to erase them from the face of the earth. And so, and I suppose the military too, when they did the false positives, because it was all about destroying the evidence of that person ever having really existed. Well, and and it was about uh, manipulating statistics. So um, here in Medellin, there's another um, investigation going on about like the disappearances in Medellin because in Medellin there was a particular practice where um, paramilitaries purposely um, disappeared victims, like they threw them in the river or they uh, they buried them. Um, what we believe is like a, a, a landfill in the in the west of the city, in order to lower crime rates. So, like like in order for like the city, for the municipal government or the national government, to present either to the nation or to the international community like beneficial statistics, um, homicide victims needed to be disappeared. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 so very unpleasant it's so I, I, yeah you know i've and i've heard a, a whole number of stories about this and every family is affected in colombia in one way or the other by this violence so this uh, this whole you know restorative justice and this uh, transitional justice is the right way the victims have been put at the fore of the processes they've well, been allowed it's, it's to confront the, it's the it's the only way because if you like, even if you just taken the testimony of the victims, um, mm. like you're talking about, well, let's calculate. So we got, let's say we got nine million victims, right? Mm. Um, and then if we all give them like, um, uh, one minute to testify. Hmm. Then you're still looking at a uh, hundred and fifty thousand, a hundred and fifty thousand minutes. I mean, like you're, you're well. This, I, I did the calculation before. Like you're literally looking at like seventeen years of just like writing down people's testimony, and that's before even beginning to investigate mm. so like the the application of like a normal 
justice system where you where you take the testimony of the victim and you investigate the crime and you and you you prosecute the the alleged perpetrator and you convict that person that's that that that, that would take hundreds of years literally so it's so the application of a normal justice system is just not not possible like yeah. like in this context Right, and the only you. way that you can you can get something done is with this transitional justice and the combination of like a bottom down and a top to bottom investigation so like where you yeah. where people from the top start like writing out on people below them and people on the on the bottom start writing out on on people above them and that, yeah. that's the only way that like within a reasonable period of time and and a reasonable period of time is like before the victims die uh, mm. th- that you can actually like found, find out what happened and 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 provide like some level of justice to to the victims it's a hard one isn't it it's it's uh, yeah. i when when you bring out those figures and those numbers of how many people victims and how much time and uh, you know my mind is doing somersaults in, in what is needed and again the budget required yeah because I, I i think people just don't understand like mind you that like like wars are are always sanitized like you, you notice mm. it now in, in ukraine so like like the the human cost and and the crimes committed during wars like are always sanitized so like like people who are being killed like they, they'll use the word neutralized blood yeah. you know and but it at the end of the day like when the war is over and when you look at like when you look at the victims you're looking at a like a, a, such an absurd amount of people who have been a victim of something um that, that you that the only way to provide any form of justice is through a transitory system yeah because like if you put if you put like if you even if you investigate only the crimes committed by the farc like, like by the time you're done like all the victims will be dead anyway hmm. i mean like this is not an academic exercise like people <laughs> actually need justice so yeah, I mean, where do we, where does the hep go from here? Where do we go with this? Uh, how does the I, I you know I try and get my head around what 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 Colombia as a country does next because uh, there are still people that deny this this took place. There are still people that believe this is some sort of setup uh, to you know disparage the good name of the military, and, and it's so complex. Yeah, but, but, but that's why it's a transitory system. I mean, like when at the end of World War II with the Nuremberg trials, mm. like it's not that like suddenly everybody in Germany was like, oh, being a Nazi is bad. It's, <laughs> it, it, that never happened. Like people, mm. people continued like having having Nazi sympathies after 1945 until they died in like. 1970 or 1980 you know it, it, this literally like is a is a transition we're in like like it's a mm. process that's that's going to take decades and 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 yeah. there will be you like all in in 2050 there will still be people 
people who who will be saying um, that such and so never happened. You know, mm. it, it, it'll it'll be a tiny percentage, but that's like the the transition we are going through. Like slowly but surely, uh, we will be able to hopefully uh, reestablish some form of normality where where were crimes that, that were committed during the conflict are no longer being committed and mm. and and the justice system has the capacity to provide justice for for the the, the crimes that are being committed mm. well i think i think uh, we've covered uh, in an explainer podcast basically a little bit of everything there but of course the focus was on what took place this last week pretty historic and you know, steps in the right direction, uh, in my personal opinion, of course, about uh, these hearings on the false positive scandals, uh, which are just, yeah, I mean, again, I'll say it again, it's it's spine chilling, what went on and hearing the mothers uh, who lost their children to this nefarious uh, process of inflating the figures of guerrilla, well, supposed guerrilla deaths in, in, the, in the armed conflict. Once again, thank you to Adrian Alsimer for his time and you know very I- incredible knowledge almost fathomless uh, knowledge on these subjects as i can't think of no one better to discuss this on the podcast he always is very popular indeed do check out the website that's columbiareports.com and of course you can support that through all the normal channels patreon and so on adrian thank you so much for your time thanks for inviting me it's been a great pleasure again. This has been episode 422. We'll be back next week, hopefully doing something on the year's anniversary of the 2021 protests in Colombia. What has happened since 2021 in the one year since that has taken place? So we'll be looking for someone, well, I've got someone in mind from Cali who will explain to us, you know, why that city was the epicenter back a year ago. Thank you everyone for listening. That's me for the week. Please remember that this episode 422 is brought to you by BNB Colombia Tours, experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia from the major cities of Bogota, Cartagena and Medellin to amazing destinations such as the Coffee Zone, Casanare, Guaviare, Amazon, Santa Marta and the Caribbean providing bespoke private packages, including indigenous experiences, whale-watching, 12,000-year-old rock paintings, wild animal safaris, amazing landscapes, pre-Columbian tombs, jungles, deserts, Caribbean beaches, and beautiful colonial towns, including, of course, my little town of Mompos. The team at BNB Columbia Tours can provide you and your loved ones with a fantastic private experience, creating wonderful memories of Colombia you'll cherish for a lifetime. So check out their website at www.bnbcolumbia.com. Cleep, uh, complete the free itinerary form and tell them that I sent you and you'll receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So that's BNB Columbia Tours. That's www.bnbcolumbia.com. Thank you again for listening and goodbye. Uh, please take care and be sure to tune in next week. Bye-bye.